once again, this is Nuance, and I am Mike Scala, joined, as always, by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip-hop artist and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Oh, man, just, uh, you know, starting off the day. <laughs> I should and say top of the morning to you. <laughs> top of the morning to you, or actually, more appropriately, Ohio gozaimasu. Oh, I got to learn that. Ohio gozaimasu? Ohio gozaimasu. Ohio Gozaimas. Gozaimas. It doesn't have to be but there's a yeah, there's an e in Gozaimas. Mas. Ohio Gozaimas. Yep. That's the beginning and the end of that is easy for me. Ohio, like the state, right? Right. And ends mas, like more in Spanish. Right. Just the thing in the middle is kind of foreign to me. The thing, the thing with Japanese pronunciation, actually, it's not as difficult. Um, in it's general, like, the vowels are like Spanish, right? The same I A E O U. That's it. Yeah, everything is pronounced off of those vowels. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Well, how goes I must. Yeah, everything is pronounced oh. off of those oh. vowels. Hold on a second. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. We're getting the echo because I was trying to. Yeah, everything is pronounced. Oh, wow. Hold on. Hold on a second. Come on. Now it was double me. Now it's double you. Yeah. Right. We're getting these DJ Clue echoes. Anyway. <laughs> While I worked this out, we were also joined by <laughs> Sheba Abraham, Sheba Sheba, y'all, <laughs> from the League of Women Voters. What's going on, Sheba? Oh, gearing up up here for the mayoral race in Poughkeepsie. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, who wins. And hopefully we're hoping Yvonne Flowers win, who will be the first Black, mm-hmm. first women mayor. Um, now, Democrat- she won Democratic primary? Yes, she won the Democratic primary, and she will be the first Democratic, Democrat, I should say, the first Democrat, first Black, and first woman mayor in the city of Poughkeepsie. Wait, wait, she would be the first Democrat, or just all three of those? I, all three of them, from what I understand. Yeah, so, so they've yeah. had Democratic mayors before? Yes. Okay. But she would be the first Black Democrat. First black Democratic. Black. So was there a Black Republican mayor before? No, not that oh, I know okay. of. So she'd be the first black mayor. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. And was there ever a female mayor? Was she, she would also be the first woman or just the first black woman? Um, she would be the first black woman. I have I don't know if there was ever a first woman. Okay. Because I know I went to City Hall in Poughkeepsie and I didn't see any women pictures. I just saw no pictures okay. of women. Right. Mayors, but I did see a lot of men. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. She's breaking a lot of ground, it sounds like. If she if she wins, yeah. she's going to be, uh, you know, hitting a lot of firsts. Now, yeah. I didn't realize Poughkeepsie would be that competitive. Is there a chance the Republican could win or is it a safe Democratic seat? Um, there's a chance a Republican could win. A Republican had the position before. OK. okay. Mm-hmm. Mayor Rawson was he was a, a Republican. And that's the yeah. outgoing mayor now. Well, what happened was he ran for Senate. Mm-hmm. The senator, so he's a senator in the state, um, right. and uh, hit the administrator of uh, the city administrator uh, took his filled out his uh, position right. rest of his term. term, right? His term, and mm-hmm. um, he he's a uh, he's a he's a Democrat because he was a part of the Democrat um, primary. So, so they replaced a Republican with a Democrat. I think he is. I think he is. He was at the Democratic um, 
primary. He was running in the Democratic primary. So he would be a Democrat, correct, if he was running in the right. primary. So, yeah. yes, they replaced him with, uh, yes. It, it, right. That's unless, unless he was a Republican who had a Wilson Pakula, they call that, whether they were right. Right, the Democrat. Mm-hmm. Would give him. But that's rare to see it work. You Sometimes you see that go the other way. Right. But, you know. Um, okay. Okay. So that's interesting. So, so why was he the acting mayor? Was it because the people who put him in were Democrats? Um, that I don't know. I didn't research that, but I know it's a little unusual the- for the outgoing mayor as a Republican to be replaced by a Democrat, unless just the people who were in charge of the appointment process were Democrats. Right. And that's a part, strong possibility. Okay. Well, very interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Now you moderated the mayoral debate in the primary in Poughkeepsie. Uh, yeah, the democratic democratic primary. Okay. All right. So that'll be in November, I guess. Stay tuned. Yes. To see who emerges victorious there in Poughkeepsie. Well, it should be a SmackDown event. A SmackDown event? <laughs> yeah, all, all elections should be a SmackDown event. Speaking of getting smacked down, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the, the right segue there. But I did want to mention that I enjoyed my first spa experience over the weekend. Oh, wait, that that could be taken a couple of different ways. No, no, I mean it in the most appropriate of ways. I was trying to draw a comparison, I guess, to being massaged, maybe maybe a rub down. I don't know what you would call that. It wasn't quite a massage, but it was a nice spa treatment. Yeah, you you mentioned that. So so at first, when, when you mentioned you were going to do it, you didn't have an idea of like what it all entailed. So right. what services did you get? I still don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know, but I don't know because I'm not an expert in spas. So they use all these fancy flowery words to make it sound beautiful. And it is beautiful, right? But when you start getting into the technic- technical aspects of it, I mean, who the hell knows? I know that there was a salt scrub involved, some kind of body butter that was involved and a facial. A sugar scrub. Sugar scrub, yes, that's right. Oh, okay. Okay. It was nice, right? Again, who knows what it does to the skin? It's supposed to make the skin radiate and glow. I don't know, but exfoliate, exfoliate, all that good stuff, right? But it was just a a relaxing atmosphere to be in, right? The music was nice and calm. It had you know nice ambiance all around. Everybody was very kind and gentle and, you know, they, they rub the butter on and it's, it's just, it's nice. It's a nice, relaxing experience. So now I've had, I've done the sugar scrub before at home, not at a spa, but I've done the sugar scrub before. I remember I told you it was going to hurt a little bit. Did it, did it hurt a little bit? Oh, it didn't hurt. Now, why do you say it hurts? Well, cause it's like, it's not like soft. It's like the 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 hard, right? The hard yeah, sugar. Yeah, so like yeah, it so can. It kind of it, feels like 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 a thousand pebbles, kind of like rubbing against your skin. Right, right. So depending on the person, it could be a little bit more uncomfortable. I could see that if they're really like yeah, like using a lot of force. I could see it. It's like yeah, like, yeah. like using like a very rough sponge or something like that. But you do feel a little bit cleaner afterwards. Right. So it's interesting, and I didn't know what was going to happen here right so we did the the sugar scrub then the, there's the butter scrub whatever they call it the, the body butter and yeah. then they have you go into a sauna for five minutes so it's like you're mm. cooking the, so it's like you're cooking the sugar and the butter into into the skin <laughs> right oh. like, <laughs> like they're preparing a meal but then oh. after that you take a shower 
they and there's a nice you know nice shower nice um soaps scrubs what, what, what do you call that you know the the, the dispensers that the um, liquid soap yeah but liquid uh-huh. soap is a special name for it like where where uh, like a, a, a sauce with an l i'm thinking um not not lavender um you know what i'm talking about shiva lather you're talking about uh, lather lather yes a nice lather uh-huh. um, so they've got that different body washes you know so you, you take that nice relaxing shower after you've been all cooked in the sugar and the butter right and then <laughs> at least for this package you went back in and you got the facial and i did tell her that i had sensitive skin right and her first reaction was oh basically they, that's what they all say but then when she was looking at my skin for the facial she was like okay yeah i do see that your skin is very sensitive she's like it's very clean but i can see that it's, it's sensitive and she said she'll take that into account when she uses the the you know the, the whatever chemicals she uses for the facial and so she did she was very gentle and and she d- did a really good job on that it didn't upset my skin or my face at all Hmm. Where was this at, though? Where did you? Yes, this was at the Rockaway Spa and Hotel. So, and Rockaway oh. built a nice new hotel a couple of years ago, oh. and a beautiful spa in there as well. In addition uh-huh. to restaurants, a nice rooftop bar. I mean, it's a really beautiful place. Um, my first time at the actual spa, really at any spa, right? You know, I've gone to the hotel and uh-huh. eaten there. It's uh-huh. a great place to go, hang out, have a drink, and whatnot. But I never went to the spa or any spa. I never had a spa experience before. And I'm glad that I did it. It was, it was really nice and very relaxing. That was the thing I wasn't expecting. I knew that it was supposed to be relaxing while you were in there, while they were doing the, what they did. Right. But when you leave, you still feel relaxed for mm-hmm. hours, even a day later, you still feel it. It was like a yeah. Zen. I, I felt like I was floating on a cloud for like eight hours. Plus after I left that part, I wasn't expecting. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's why things like yeah. you know spa treatments and massages yeah. are are good health maintenance activities yeah, they are. because they can they have long lasting effects. Um, did you get a massage too? Was that included or no? But it was, I mean, it felt like a massage, right? Because right. they were rubbing, you know, they, they, they were like basically massaging these these butter, you know, the butter and the sugar into your skin. So it was like a massage. It just it wasn't straight up massage but i didn't need it and i might not have liked it because then maybe it would have been a little too rough right it was this was very smooth and soothing right right yeah there are different types like you've got yeah. you know depending on the massage some of them can be really you know really heavy-handed some are more rub rub oriented type like yeah so it depends on what you're into and then there's like the japanese shiatsu style where it's more of a pressure yeah uh, Along the different points, so. there's a Swedish yeah. massage, which I guess is a little softer. I don't know. I think that's the one that, with the rubbing. Um, yeah. And then you've got things like the Thai massage, where they bend you in like a pretzel and uh, set you on fire and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's also a tip which I didn't know until after the fact. If you book an appointment at the Rockaway Spa, you are given, I believe, an hour to use the pool at the hotel. Mm. Oh. complimentary and so that's pretty cool and there are also various packages you know i got this they called it the rock and glow package so uh-huh. and all these treatments included this is like an a la carte menu if you just want one of the things and it's cheaper you know because it is on a pricey side to get a whole package but if you just want like one thing you can just go ahead and get that for a shorter time but you know right. whatever it is you're into whatever your, your needs are whatever you, you think right. is best for you you know there are options there yeah 
Well, that sounds good, though. Sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, highly recommended. If, you know, if it's within the budget, I would say. So, so are you going to be adding uh, regular spa appointments to your regimen? It's made yeah, me a spa guy. Next I'm a spa guy now. And from what oh. I understand, once you become a spa guy, you can't be a non-spa guy, right? I'm a spa guy for life now because I've had a good experience. Now, if it was a bad experience, mm-hmm. then I might be anti-spa for the rest of my life. But I started off on the right foot. So now I can't go back because even if I went to a different spa, let's say, and got a bad experience, I still know it can be good. So right. still so seek out <laughs> somewhere else or go back to Rockaway, right? You're uh-huh. a spa snob now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a spa elitist. Right. Your like, rap like, technique is not as good. Like our approach to hip hop, right? Like the spa, uh-huh. spa is going to have bars. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a good quality sugar in your scrub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't give me this low grade sugar. <laughs> Trying to run me down, but I can't believe it's not butter. Come on. <laughs> Do better. Yeah, right. <laughs> By the way, they also offer you champagne, and it's really nice. That's what's up. And it, it, it's good. It's it's good in general for, for like I said, for health maintenance and whatnot. So, Yes, yes. So, all right. Real quick, I've got some things to talk about here. September 6th, there's going to be a rally in front of City Hall for the Queen's Link. We've covered our involvement with the Queen's Link on this program pretty extensively, and the action continues. We're taking it right to the mayor and the city's doorstep at City Hall, City Hall Park. And mm-hmm. I will be the MC of this rally, happy to say. We've got a lineup that's pretty incredible and we're still adding to it. So more names will be announced in the coming days. But we've got public advocate Jumani Williams, State Senator James Sanders Jr., Assemblymember Khalil Anderson, Councilmember Sylvina Brooks Powers, who is the chair of the Transportation Committee, so it's very important. Councilmember Natasha Williams, and we've got Councilmember Ariola, who was scheduled to have a statement read. We've got other groups involved, Rise, Rockaway. We've got Frank. We've got, so I can't even read this on the flyer here. Um, I don't know what that says. Transit. Let's see if we can, we can blow this up. But we've got various groups involved. And as I said, we're meant, we're adding more names to it as well. So it should be a really big event out there Wednesday, September 6th, between 1 and 2 p.m. at City Hall Park. Let's mm. see if I could. That's what's up. I'm going to do a share screen here. I'm having all these technical glitches today. Um, Hopefully it makes some sort of an impact or the right person uh, it catches their ear. Yeah, well, we've had a lot of success with our Queens Lake events. Remember, we had that big rally in Rockaway Right. October, and that led to a barrage of media attention. Right. You know, of course, we had New York One do the interview inside City Hall. And then we had New York Times even cover it. Of course, a lot of local papers. And I think it's really important to present our vision, not just our vision, not just the plan itself, but the support that we have, because there is a lot of support. And I think it's important to show that, to show that, look, We've got the public advocate of New York City now. And by the way, I'm proud of what I've been able to do with that because we did an event in Ozone Park a couple months ago, an informational town hall session. 
And the public advocate had a staffer there who was attended. I think he attended, yeah, he did. He attended the rally as well in Rockaway, he came to Ozone Park. And he said, you know, what can the Office of the Public Advocate do to assist us? We support what you're trying to do. What can we do to be helpful? And I asked him at that event in Ozone Park if the public advocate himself could come out and speak on it and show his support publicly, right? It's great to send the staffer, but if right. he himself could be directly involved, that would be very right. impactful. And I'm happy to say at this press conference, Jumani Williams himself is scheduled to speak. And so that's great. That's a citywide official now speaking on Queenslink in support of it. I think that's huge progress. So the Queenslink, Mike, is connecting. It's, what is it connecting? So it's the old Rockaway Beach line of Long Island Railroad, which was deactivated in 1962. But the track is still dormant, right? It's still there. Mm-hmm. And it's owned by New York City. And so it would connect South Queens to North Queens and go directly towards Midtown Manhattan. So you can get that one seat ride from JFK to Midtown, mm-hmm. from the Rockaways, right? You can get up to North Queens, you know, up towards Forest Hills, Jackson Heights, even, you know, the Northwest Astoria. But, but importantly, to Midtown, because right now, if you're trying to commute from South Queens to Midtown Manhattan, it's really difficult, right? If you're taking the subway, you would take the A train and you would go mm-hmm. all the way through Brooklyn up to downtown Manhattan and then up towards Midtown. I mean, it's really a, a trek. Uh, mm-hmm. There's really no north-south mass transit link. And that's why you have so much traffic on the Cross Bay and Woodhaven Boulevard, why you have so much traffic on the Van Wick constantly. Because oh, yeah. these are the only ways you can really get from the south to north. And it's cutting off the entire south portion of the borough of Queens from the rest of the city. And it's costing us billions of dollars every year in economic growth, not to mention the equity issues that come with that. This is why South Queens, a major part of the reason why South Queens is cut off economically and why there aren't opportunities there that you see in other parts of the city. Why we have subpar healthcare options is one example, right? Because the infrastructure, the transportation is not there. There's no connectivity there. And if you can restore it, that's why we call it the Queens Link, right? It's like the missing link to bring oh. Queens in into the rest of the city. You connect South Queens to North Queens to Midtown, and you open up uh, so much economic growth and, and opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, so it isn't just a matter of convenience. Some people look at it like you're fighting this huge battle just to shave a few minutes off people's commutes. No, it's it's okay. to really uh, change uh, the city in terms of the, the the fairness, right? Right now, South Queens and the neighborhoods in South Queens down to the Rockaways, but not just the Rockaways, you know, the entire really southern portion of the borough, they're cut off in so many ways and it's leading to so many lost opportunities. And so it's really about correcting that injustice. And to be fair, it's, it's in, in many cases, it's much more than a few minutes off of people's travel. Yeah, much more. Like it. Was it like 30 to 45 minutes in, in, in general? In for, some for, cases. I mean, yeah, it depends on, on where you're going and where you're taking it from and, and, right. and those things and also how exactly the plan would be implemented. But right. per week, we're actually looking at shaving hours off people's commitment. Right. When we look yeah. at it. every week, you'd be saving hours. Right. So that's giving people basically parts of their lives back, actually. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. When the Long Island Railroad line was there, I mean, we would look at old train schedules, you know, 28 minutes, I think I saw from uh, part of, I think it was Hamels. I think, I think that's what it was like. But basically, part, from parts of Rockaway to Midtown Manhattan, you're talking about 28 minutes, 34 minutes, you know, sometimes. Now, it could be an hour and a half. You know, right. That's a big difference. Depending on, yeah. right, de- depending on the circumstance. So, yeah, it definitely is a game changer. Well, that sounds like a good rally. Hopefully, things work out really well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely got to keep this up. Um, should be a good event. I know some people were a little disappointed that it's a weekday afternoon in front of city hall. And they say it's so hard to get to, which is ironically what we're rallying for. Right. Mm-hmm. But, right. You know, we did it in Rockaway. We did these events throughout the neighborhoods and we still do, by the way, I got to shout out Miriam and the Queensland team. They're at the Forest Hills Green Market every week and they're, they're, they're giving out these informational brochures everywhere. So that's all great. But this was important to do as well, I think. Take it to the steps of City Hall where our government operates, right? Show the lawmakers and the, the, the movers and the shakers at City Hall that there's substantial support for this. And it also gives people an opportunity to come out and show the support who, who work there, right? The city council members and the people in government. Let them see it. Let them be a part of it now. And, you know, like I said, it's bringing it to the mayor's doorstep as well. Yeah. Let them feel the pressure. Yeah, you got to. Look, it's all you could do. You know, it's all we could do as as productive citizens. We're trying to make a difference. Uh-huh. A lot of people get frustrated at things not happening the way they want them to or as fast as they want them to. And it is frustrating. But we have to recognize there's only so much we can do. And you know, hopefully once we see that there are results from what we're doing, even if it's slow, even if it's not exactly when we want it, you know, you go to a rally, it's like, when do we want it now? But, you know, yeah. it, it, it takes time, right? As long as long as we can keep that pressure on and know that we're doing all we can, then I think we should feel good about the work that we're doing. And, you know, be, be as happy Absolutely. as we can. It's never going to be perfect, but, you know, we, we can only do what we can do. Absolutely. What do you want? Spa days. When do we want them? Now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The chat really should be yesterday, right? <laughs> Queensland. Right. We want it yesterday, last year, yeah. 10 years ago. <laughs> Haven't you been fighting that battle for some time? It's not, it's been a while. 50 years. Yeah. How many years? Well, really since it was decommissioned in 1962, right? So. Wow. Was it 51 years? More than that, right? Six years. Six, six. That's, that's See, six. Trying to time. It's actually 61 years, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You look good for 61. <laughs> before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the result of the spa day. Like that's right. You looked horrible before, but now that's you right. look that's great. I look great for 61. Yeah. Sugar <laughs> scrubs and facials, like it's it's amazing. <laughs> so speaking of the by the way, I'm still you see, and this is I'm talking, oh, while we're talking about doing all we can do, I want to get this share screen up because because this Uh-oh. is bothering me. And there's always something. There's always something. Here it is. Share screen. I wanted to get this flyer on the screen because, as I said, we're still working on the flyer and there will be an updated version coming out. But I wanted to shout out the groups who are already on it. And I have to actually zoom in. Hold on a second. We're going to get this right. Share. Here we go. We are sharing the screen here. Okay. So there you see the flyer. You see rise. Can I zoom in on this? Hold on, we're gonna, we're gonna work this. Gonna move things out though. What is going on? I'm gonna. I don't want to go incognito. Why is it saying I'm incognito? What is going on here? What is going on here? Okay. <laughs> Trying to zoom in. Here we go. No. It's zooming on everything but the actual flyer. <laughs> What are you you're I trying, trying to, to zoom in on the flyer itself so I can read the name of on that the right screen. hand upper right hand corner. Uh-huh. Right, right, move uh, to the left, to the left, upper right hand corner of the of the image. Of the image. Right, right there. Move stop to the left, 
Next oh, icon. There, there you okay. go. Okay. See, it's always simpler than you think it is. Okay. So we got RISE, Rockaway Initiative for Sustainability and Equity. This was the one I had a hard time reading. Tri-State Transportation Campaign. Okay. I actually was not even aware of this group. So someone can school me on that. And Frank, which we actually had the head of Frank here. That was Manny Silva. So that would be the Far Rockaway and Arbor Nonprofit Coalition. I believe that's called. So like I said, just a few groups so far who lended their support to this. We are planning to add more. And there's also talk of possibly arranging some transportation to the rally, because as we know, it is difficult to get to is exactly what we're fighting for, right? better transportation. Uh, yeah, we're, we're on your Facebook page now. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. So, so that's what's up. Speaking of the mayor, real quick, I wanted to give a shout out to Mayor Adams for his Breaking Bread Building Bonds initiative, which he's been calling with community leaders around the city. Last night, they did their latest one in Ozone Park, and I had the privilege to be invited and attend. And it was nice. It was nice, especially because you saw the diversity of Ozone Park. And in fact, you had the Muslim clergy participate as well, along with the Christian. You had Jewish people. You even had, you know, uh, some, some Hindu representation there. So you had a, a very diverse turnout, which really is representative of New York City and Queens, right? We call Queens the world's borough. And it's great to see that all in one room, a microcosm of the diversity on, on a larger scale in one room. The, the thing I always say, and people may get on me there, they, they may say I'm um, dissing or critiquing. I'm not. I'm just trying to figure out how to make these things better. I always find that we have these great meetings that can feel repetitive at times because you often find the same people in the room talking about the same things. And the setup is really great. And it's, it's, I think it's a great, great look to do. And it's great to, to break that bread and build these bonds and make these relationships. But I always want more to happen with them. And maybe right. my expectations are too high. Maybe you shouldn't expect a lot to get done at the meeting. Maybe it's just about fostering those relationships and then following up. But it always seems like, you know, people give their speeches about how great this is. And then everyone goes home. Like right. no work actually being done at some of these meetings. And, and that will be, I think, you know, just, just my, my way of, of, trying to improve it in, in the future because people say, you know, we should do this again. You know, we should, we should keep doing things like this, but I want to make sure that we're actually getting something out of it. That if we're going to all come together, that people leave feeling like something tangible was accomplished. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a common criticism of, of any type of discussions or, or meetings or anything like, like that is that again, one, you see the same players over and over again. And two, there's nothing tangible that, that, or at least that you don't feel like there's anything tangible. Like, I think, like you said, there is importance in having those relationships uh, and people coming together and having that that discussion between each other. Because if not, everyone exists in an island and then things start to form because there's no connection with the other ones. You know, some negatives and whatever start to form mistrust, whatever it is. Um, so there's positive there, but it could be it could be better. You could put something on the docket and be like, OK, boom, this is something that we definitely want to accomplish this meeting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think something like that, you know, it might be hard to do for that particular type of meeting. 
I don't know. I just I was want. So I want to feel like something tangible together. What is mm-hmm. the purpose? What is the purpose of to them break bread and build bonds? That's that's what they say. Yeah. You know, it's it's what they say is it's what it's nice of- to get people, community leaders in the same room who maybe don't interact. The thing is, most of us do interact already, right? But but they say basically we're we're bringing people together to to eat together. So this way you can kind of sit down at the table and relate to each other as people, and that will facilitate uh, a dialogue on issues and getting things accomplished in the neighborhood and in the city. You know, the idea is great. I'm just saying, like, it wasn't like we were breaking bread saying, so here's my solution for the migrant crisis. What do you think? Like, people weren't proposing any policies or anything like that. They were just saying how great it was to be together, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a fellowship. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. So, so, So was the mayor there? No, he wasn't there. He he was apparently planning on coming or trying to get there, but it was the opening of the U.S. Open last night. So he was at the ceremony and he was texting saying that he would try to make it, but he didn't make it. He had staffers there, though. Uh, okay. But for those local leaders, having connection with the mayor's office, having some point of contact could be beneficial. Right. Oh, sure. Sure. And that's really what it is. It's uh-huh. It's less about what gets done at that event and more so about the relationships that are fostered. And, you know, even if it's people that you, you know and you've seen before, it, it could spark something. You, you run into someone and it's like, oh, yeah, how are you doing? OK, yeah, we should follow up on that thing. That does happen. Right. And so maybe it's a little more subtle than you want it to be, but right. it is effective in that way. I have the same observation about these political conferences, right? Yeah. You go and you fly to Puerto Rico every year and it's fun. It's great. You're in Puerto Rico, but you're seeing the same people you see in New York. And it's like, you know, what's really getting done here. But right. on the positive side, you know, you do run into people and, you know, maybe they're in your phone book and you could have called them any day. But when you see them in Puerto Rico at this conference, sometimes it inspires something. Oh, yeah, we do need to meet up. OK, right. okay maybe next week yeah. give me a call. And then sometimes right. it leads to something, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's just the way human nature is. Or it's just, you know, maybe it's time for a disruption in the way that that things are normally being done. Right. Because it seems repetitive. (laughs) I mean, and and it's not anything new. It's something that's been going on over and over again. People use the same playbook over and over. And, you know, maybe that's why we kind of feel like we're spinning our wheels a lot of times. That is true. That is true. And, you know, I think it's worthwhile to say when we do have me and and not everything is going to be like this but generally speaking i think it is good to try to take control of a meeting like if you're if you're going to be running a community meeting and you're thinking about what's on the agenda think about what are you going to leave people feeling like what what, what, what kind of accomplishment are you going to give people a sense of when they leave like what are we going to actually try to achieve at this meeting because it shouldn't just be talking in, in general terms about our issues and our problems and let people complain. That's great. People have to have an outlet for that. But what is being achieved? Because I think eventually people will be frustrated and start to feel like, okay, everyone just complains all the time or we say we're doing things, but what are we really doing except meetings and meeting about the next meeting, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just just my observation. I think it's always it's always good to have something concrete on the agenda or at least structure it so that something could be achieved people can feel like some progress is being made uh-huh. right. also because people are taking time out of their days and their very busy lives to go to these things right absolutely we did get yeah. a case of snapple we'll bring this up here get some snapple out of the deal 
They, they gave everyone a whole case. Twenty, I think it was 24. 24. Yeah, 24 Snapples. So that's cool. And they gave us phone chargers. I mean, it was definitely a nice event. So that's the that's the uh, the bread part of breaking right. bread is, is yeah. Snapple. Did you have any actual bread though? Like this, you know. Well, the, it was well catered. I have to say there was Italian food with meat, Italian food without meat for the vegetarians. Then they had halal food and they had kosher food. So they had nice. everyone pretty much covered there. Nice, very nice. Yeah, right. sounds good. As he swigs back the Snapple, all uh-huh. natural. That's what they say. Yeah, I find it funny. It says naturally flavored with other natural flavors. What does that mean? Naturally flavored with other natural flavors. I mean, Sounds like some double speak. Take out the word other. Naturally flavored with natural flavors. I mean, that's kind of funny. Why, why doesn't it just say naturally flavored? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Because uh-huh. <laughs> it indicates something different. Naturally flavored with other Natural flavor. Other natural flavors. You got natural flavor on this on there twice in the sentence, so it makes it sound like it's even more natural. I think I was telling you there's a guy, um, and I think I don't know if he's a marketing or or graphic design guy. He has a a TikTok channel, and what he does is he shows how marketing and how the 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 words and things that are used and allowed to be used in our marketing of our packaging of our products. Um, can make something sound completely different than it is. And so like he takes things like Coca-Cola or like Twinkies and he redesigns the packaging to make it sound like it's a health food, right? So he'll add something on Twinkies and be like, I don't know, for example, say gluten-free where, I mean, it probably already was gluten-free, but you put that on there. Now it sounds like it's something else, right? And he changed the color of the packaging to, to where it's not a cartoon character on there and you add like i don't know whatever it's made from it was made from corn or something i don't know but you know something like that and it makes it the image look a little bit different so it shows how we're all kind of like swayed and fooled into believing some of this marketing stuff speaking of marketing real fact number 1509 because you have to have the fact in the staple cap right right an avocado is actually a large berry it is it is. Okay. It has been around since the days of the dinosaurs. James is that in the chat is asking, what flavor of Snapple? It's naturally flavored with all, all natural, other natural flavors. Raspberry tea. Uh, but the case had three different flavors. I think it had eight of each. The peach one is nice, too. So... I guess that's how to get you to keep coming to these meetings, Sheba, right? They give you free Snapple and free free things to take yeah, on. Yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> but we wanted to go over our poll from last week. I think Jay's got the results. I do have the results. And I'm a little surprised. Yeah. So we had the poll result. Or the poll question was... Um, do you believe that migrants who arrive in the U.S. Uh, should be eligible to work? So a little bit of context here with all the migrants that are coming in. Um, for example, New York had about 100,000 asylum seekers in the past year come in. Um, there is a program that allows them to work, but it can take a very long time. It could be a minimum of 180 days, mm-hmm. often much longer. <coughs> Sorry. Bless you. Um, before they're authorized to work. And so 
they, you know, with the budget crunch and the resource limitations that New York City is facing right now, there's been proposals that they allow them to work much sooner. So that can alleviate some of the outlay that's going on to help take care of the migrants. Uh-huh. So we put this we put this out there in the poll and. I put it up on 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 Daily Co's and it's a decidedly progressive website, right? So you would expect a certain result. But we got 70% yes and 30% no, which was a little surprising for me. Mm. I was expecting it to be a little bit higher on the yes side. Right. Did the comments explain why some people were voting no? Well, got a a number of comments. Um, I think think it had to do with, um, in the poll, I also mentioned the poll that we we learned about from April that said 50% of New Yorkers don't earn enough to fill their basic needs. And I think people were looking at that, seeing that somehow this could make it worse for um, native New Yorkers when you're adding these extra people into the, the job pool and there's more competition for jobs now. So I think, I think that's where um, some of the, was bringing it down like saying that the most qualified person should always get the job um people do say that but i mean i think i think we have to be fair in that assessment and looking that when you're talking about your neighborhood you're talking about your city where you live at where your your bills and stuff are you're generally thinking not about competing with the person two states away. You're you're talking mm-hmm. about competing with who's in your vicinity, but you're bringing in a hundred thousand new people into your vicinity. That's all of a sudden a new competition. No, I understand that. But if you feel you're the most qualified person for the job, why are you worried someone else is going to take you? So, so are they afraid that the is more qualified than they are? You never know. I mean, I mean, that's that's you know, just because they're migrants doesn't mean they're low skilled. They could be coming in with. You know, an incredible uh, body but of if, experience. If, but if that's who they think they're getting, why are they afraid of them? Because they would take their job potentially, wow. or or there'd be competition. Yeah, so. the competition becomes greater. So they don't want yeah. some people then who who have this view. They don't want the best people getting the jobs. They don't. So, so I mean, is there not if it presents is there a level of hypocrisy there? Is, I guess is what I'm asking. Is is there a level of hypocrisy because people, for example, they come out against affirmative action, right? And they say, well, it should be the person with the highest grades or whoever's most qualified should always get it. But when it comes mm-hmm. to migrants working, they don't want the most qualified person to get the job. I think I if it if it blocks them from getting it, sure. So it really was all about <laughs> what affects them, right? It's just- It that, could be. It so, could be. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost feels like, you know, they're in favor of affirmative action if if they're the ones benefiting from it. I don't think they're saying that. I think they're saying, I think they're looking at it from their perspective, what's going on uh, around them, what's happening in their town, what's happening on their street. I right. think they're looking at it. I think they examine it closer than that. Um, to, that's that's why the number is so high. Uh, yeah. And then again, I don't know if this is what the connection was, but I, I did notice that there was some comments in there that that mentioned that stat. And some of the comments did kind of devolve from uh, from where we were talking and went basically into NYC as an unlivable city. 
uh, and and talked about that, how this is really the the real problem, um, not what yeah. we're talking about in the micro crisis. But I'm like, that's a little bit of a digression here. We're not talking yeah, when, about when it comes to the jobs. I'm not sure I've seen people articulate that they're afraid migrants are going to take their job or beat them out for a job. I've seen people opposed to the idea, sure. But their rationale seems to be that they shouldn't be here anyway. So we shouldn't be giving them any kind of benefits or uh, make it easy for them to stay. We should make it as hard as possible on them so they'll be forced to leave. I've never seen the argument that I'm afraid that they're going to get a job that I can't get. Well, that yeah, that's that's uh, fair enough. Um, I just noticed that just saying from from what I'm seeing in the comments, there was a couple of things that mentioned that particular stat. Which so, stat is that? That it's hard to get a job? No, about the fifty percent okay. is is having a hard right. time, hard, hard, um, right? Having a hard time getting covering their basic needs and somehow connecting that. Now, that's not the overwhelming right. idea. Is that right. kept that came up several times. Other points in here was talking about, um, again, making that New York is is unlivable. It's too expensive. Um, some were saying, some were saying yes. I mean, of course, we got seven percent that said yes, but. Um, I just thought that I just thought that the number would have been a little bit higher for a progressive site. But not everyone on there is progressive, right? By and large, yeah. This is, yeah. you know, there it's it's Daily Co's was has been a progressive site. So you're gonna get you're gonna get results and comments that lean in that direction. That lean so I, I'm just wondering, you know, of that 30% who said no, how many of them would we expect to be? progressive or are you always going to get a contrarian contingency on that site anyway i'm sure there's going to be some contrarians but i i would expect there's going to be a few more right. um so we we do have to take that with a grain of salt when we're talking about the poll results from this site that, that there's going to be a progressive slant right right but that tells you something right so if it's 70 30 on a progressive site that means that right. the general population it might be closer to 50 50 or maybe even no beating the s Right. It's a little bit more of a contentious issue than like, yeah. and, that, and that's yeah. what I found kind of interesting about it. Cause again, I expected something a little bit more definitive um, in that regard. Yeah. You know, there was someone that said, you know, I don't know the answer, um, but um, they didn't care for the white house's recent comments that kind of washed their hands of immigration claiming it's up to Congress. Um, Everyone does seem to be pointing the finger at somebody else. You saw the mayor and the governor going right. The mayor uh, is saying the rest of the state has to share the burden, and uh, governor is saying no. You know, New York City is is what it is. It's you know, it's got the the policies in place that say that you know you guys are going to take care of everyone, and so the governor is saying that the other counties will not be bearing the brunt of this. It's all on New York City, basically, and you know you've got that battle happening now. There was a stat that came out that showed that eighty two percent of New Yorkers believe that this is a serious problem. So that obviously goes beyond party line or partisan lines oh. or ideology, 82%, right? That's a, mm -hmm. it's a pretty big majority think right. it's a serious problem, you know, and it is. We talked about the consent decree on here that said that New York, by law, has to take care of homeless folks who are here. And now there's an effort to modify that to as long as New York has the resources to do so which is something else to be posited on here, right? As a possibility. Right. I don't know if that can be changed, but there's an effort to try to modify that at this point, even though that consent decree is from 1981. So it's been the law for a very long time. 
Um, it is a serious but, situation and it is a matter of resources, right? Resources are finite and we are in a, in a serious economic situation in the state and in the city. And this is not making things any better. I mean, you know, regardless of what your policy or your, your, your politics are, I think you have to acknowledge that resources right. are resources. And we have, you know, it's, it, it is something serious, significant to to deal with. And that goes right. back to the jobs that, you know, you mentioned the jobs, it, that it goes back to that, you know, what. That's, you that's know, one aspect of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think resources is a thing that, that really needs to be focused on at this point. And that's what the mayor is saying. It's like, look, you know, we are happy being the sanctuary city, but we're at our limit resource wise right now. We just simply can't do it anymore. It doesn't matter what the, what we proclaimed before we've done it and we've exhausted all possibilities. So, you know, there's really nothing more that we can do um, at some point. As we talked about before, at some point, I mean, the resources are just going to run out. There's just yeah. nothing more you can do. And I think what was the quote that the, the the mayor said? Our compassion may be limitless, but our resources are not. And that's, right. yeah. you know, people might not want to hear it, but that's true. That's, that's you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do when the resources just aren't there, even if you want to. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I wanted to bring up this point because I made a post on Facebook a couple of days ago about how you are seeing a lot of ignorance and a lot of hateful comments. And it's really distracting from the issue because it just drives a wedge between us. We're, we're already very polarized, right? This further drives us apart. And, you know, all of the, the name calling and, and people even going as far as, as spitting on folks and just being very, very, very nasty. You know, that really gets in the way of trying to come to a sensible solution, trying to build a consensus because it makes us more combative with each other. Right. We're, we're further dividing ourselves. And then you have people who will, you know, who will say, listen, I don't care if it does bankrupt. So basically it drives emotional levels up and to the point where. Right. We can no longer be rational because now we're having an emotional argument, right? So there are people saying, "I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna give in to these uh, terrorists." Basically, right? They're they're being ignorant, they're being hateful, and so they're on the side of we can't handle this. I'm viscerally gonna oppose that and say, you know, we're, we're gonna bring as many people in as can, we can because I don't want to give in to, to what they're saying. Right? So we're not having a productive conversation right now right. because of the fact that this hate is out there and it persists, and that's a shame considering 82 percent of the people believe this is a problem so this is an opportunity that we should be able to build consensus around and we're having a hard time because of, of the hate to me that's a logical observation to make and i gotta say someone commented to i just made that observation i never said by the way and, and we've had extensive talks about this on here i never said i believe that it should be unlimited bring on million, you know 100 million people and whatever no one has right no. i never made that point well, let's not say no one. There are some people who say that okay. the money shouldn't matter, resources shouldn't matter. We should just welcome everyone in. There are some people saying that. That's not the majority of you, certainly. But no. I never said that. Nonetheless, all you know, when I was making the point that we should tone down some of that rhetoric, I got no. a comment, a smart ass comment from somebody saying, "So, how many of them did you allow in your house?" Like, no. Mm. But is that that that's that's not a logical. I'm not saying I want unlimited migrants in my in my backyard or in my neighborhood. I'm saying tone down the rhetoric, stop with the name calling, and stop spitting on people. The response right. to that is so how many of them would you so so in other words, 
you have you should be okay with the name calling and the spinning if if right. if you're on the side of something needs to be done about this that means that you should just be hateful and that's what i'm getting out of that right yeah and we see that a lot right i mean people resort to that irrational type of response um just because like you said emotions are so high or whatever their their own opinion and feeling of the situation is so strong that that's where people go to and that's actually, you know, it's a bit ironic because that's what you were calling to tone down. Right. Right. So, yeah. It's, it's, this may be environment so hostile. So hostile. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole show. <laughs> yeah. What made it? Because I'm sure you've always had asylum seekers. And now. All of, we, we've, we've said, in my opinion. A lot of what we're seeing now began with 9-11 and the response to it. Yep. The the okay. and Obama they being let the cat president. back out of the bag. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's, you know, that's a long, that's a, I, I don't know if it's a theory or whatever it is, but something that Mike and I talked about for, for years, like when that happened, remember, remember what the tone was around the country. And it was one that it was okay to start hating someone for being different. Whereas we knew people felt that way, but in the public discourse, it wasn't common. It wasn't really allowed. It was, it was something that would be. It, it was yeah, not tolerated in the nineties oh. when I was going to school. No, I mean it didn't matter what your politics were, and but I mean, and, and even back then, kids didn't even really get political. I'm sure they get more political now than they did back then. But it didn't matter who you were, what your background was. It wasn't tolerated in society to right. be outwardly hateful like that. Everyone would shun you for it. After 9-11, right. publicly, socially, it became tolerated in certain circles. To, to right. yeah, and then and then once it's out, once people out, you know, like, you know, you take what does it take an inch? You get a yard like yeah. once it was out, it started to progress because then it was like the fear mongering started happening. Right. Remember, there was a talk about about anthrax uh, in small towns. And then it was like. You know, then it went to immigration stuff. And then, you know, because it was all Muslim and immigration, right. it was right. back to, to, to you know, they love to hate hate black folks. So it was that. And, and, and then and don't forget the Barack Hussein Obama. Right. They tried to then the Barack Hussein Obama. Yeah. Then now you got a black man trying to come to the country. Now gays right. want to get in the military and now they want to get married. And like all of this stuff, the hate was there and it was stuff for them to, to feed on and start growing and more people became comfortable yeah. speaking in public and it was more tolerated. Then Trump came on the scene and just capitalized on all of it. He didn't start it. He capitalized on all right. of it. And just and, and to be fair, a lot of this is cyclical because you saw a lot of the same type thing happening with Nixon coming out of the civil rights era. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's where it, that's, you know, and then I think I think there's also something to be said about because um, we see a lot of this coming from from the right, a lot of this hateful type of stuff coming from the right. And I think part of it also there's a facet in there that has to do with the disastrous nature of the Bush presidency and how the the Republican Party was in kind of shambles at the end of his presidency because presidency, because remember, that his last couple of years, even then they tried to distance themselves from them because they were looking forward to the future in the next remember, election. Remember when John McCain was a nominee in a way he didn't want to be seen with Bush. Right. And so was the president. <laughs> right. And so. I think part of it has to do with that because now they're trying to establish themselves a certain way with certain talk and certain rhetoric and it became more populist. Right. Nationally. So yeah. 
yeah. then remember the Tea Party came in using right. theirs, and it was splitting the party. And so there was that inner fight. Mm-hmm. And so you got rhetoric, and you got far right wing ideology, and then you got all of that, and it just keeps right. growing. Right. The Tea Party came in and really took over yeah. the Republican Party at the time, and they really kicked out more of the more traditional old school Republicans and replaced them with those populist nationalist kind of mm-hmm. you know uh, rhetoric turned up. Right. The the, the heat turned up, folks, uh, <laughs> and and that became. The party and that and that really played it, you know, played a big role in shaping, I think, the culture, because right. then when Obama was president um, and you did like Jay mentioned, you start to see some progress in certain areas, gay marriage and, and so forth. Uh, I think, you know, it, it really uh, intensified a lot, a lot of the fear that was out there. Right. People right. that's when people yeah. started saying we got to take our country back. That's where the great again came from. Right. That's Trump capitalized on all of that. That's right. right. So this yeah. has been building for some time it just seems oh like yeah it's been bubbling yeah, yeah yeah and it's out there now and it's like you can't control and you, yeah, and you know, on that point she but social media i think does exacerbate the issue right uh-huh. everyone's speaking their opinion on politics and they're, yeah. behind, they're behind the screen so it's not like it used to be you know there's no there's no fa- fear of being punched in the face yeah. by saying something crazy so people will yeah. say whatever right and yeah. like there are no repercussions and i think sometimes they do it to get a rise out of people to, to troll people too and sometimes they say things they don't even really fully mean maybe but they're saying they, they, they're probably laughing as they're saying it and it's driving a, a further wedge between us well, we see we've seen that, right? So I think there's two points with the social media. On one with social media, it's it's not only what you said. Um, I think that's all true as well. But there's also this facet. There's also this thing as social media is is being social and out in the public that anybody can access whatever you're saying, whatever you say. There is somebody somewhere else that agrees with that, and so okay. that makes people cluster together. You start to find your group. Even if you say the most ignorant thing, there is someone else who believes that ignorant thing. And now you've got a hundred of you believing this ignorant thing. Now you've got a movement. Right. Right. But it also incentivizes extremism because it's it's easier to, to get that, you know, the echo chamber going by saying the most simplistic um, emotional thing, right? That's the thing that's going to drive that traffic and that engagement. If you come with a nuanced view, well, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of this. I think this, here are the stats. You're not going to get like thousands of people going rah, 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 you know? So, and, and then the algorithms push the nuanced stuff to the back. They push right. the extremist stuff to the front because that's getting all the, the echoes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, there's, there's definitely that point. And and, you know, there is that aspect of people trolling, people doing it just for the likes and the clicks. So once go on mm-hmm. on there and say something outrageous because they know it's going to get get engagement. And so yeah. you're going to get like right. a little bit of your you're going to get, a you know, 15 seconds of fame because now you've went viral. And so some, some right. people live on that. And that's um, what the clickbait stuff, right? Even like the headlines are becoming more sensationalized for that reason. You're trying to grab yeah. people's attention and you say the most outrageous thing. Then you read the article and sometimes the article contradicts what the headline said, but they don't care. They're just trying to get the views. Right. Yeah. They want people to come in because that's where they get their ad revenue. So, um, so there's a lot there's a lot in involved with it, especially when social media. Um, and then there's you know a lot of misinformation because of it that makes its way into the mainstream. Just like you, you said, people do things to, to troll. And there's a lot of stuff that is like, for example, uh, you know, the OK symbol or whatever, becoming the white power mm. symbol. Now, originally, that was a trolling post on 4chan, a message right. board that they did it for just for laughs to to put it out there and it took hold and there's been several things like that that 4chan has created to kind of troll the world 
and yeah. that it got picked up in main mainstream discourse. And now people are actually using it right. as this white power um, indicator symbol. Right. And people don't even care what's true anymore as long as it right. serves their narrative. I've actually seen people literally say that. Like, yeah. That sounds like satire, but no. People have posted up stuff that was not true, but was very sensationalist. Somebody would comment and say, excuse me, but what you posted is not factually true. And the response is not disputing it. The response is not, no, I think it is true. The response is, I don't care whether it's true. I find it interesting. And basically, it, it suits my agenda. So I'm going to put it out there. People, people yeah. are plainly admitting that now. No, absolutely. I'm, I've I've been that guy that said this is not true quite often. And right. I've seen I've gotten that response multiple times. Right. I don't care if it's true. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I, yeah. Yeah. If it's true or not. Yeah. And that's or the world I, we live in. This is, you know, yeah. we find ourselves, unfortunately. So when I say tone down the rhetoric, the response I get is, well, how many of them are in your living room? Wow. Right. That would be known um, as a non sequitur in, in, in any other day, right? Yeah. Someone, someone said that in the comments that um, they agree with it. Apparently it's happened to them as well, that they got the same ignorant comment about how they should open their home to take migrants in because they said we shouldn't be so hateful. So... Yeah, it's like there's no space in between those ideas. Either you have to be a hateful prick or you have to have people living in your living room. There's nothing in between that. Right. Right. And I know know that's what's happening now. It's either or there's no in between anymore. Right. It's going to be you're going to be left or right. Nothing in between. Because you, you can't voice your opinion. Well, let's look at it this way because you're shot down. Let's look at it another way. Right. And, right. and it's a soundbite society we find ourselves. And you can't right. have an actual discussion. You have to echo sound bites. Right. And let's be fair. That's happening on the left and the right. It is. Yeah. There's intolerance on the left as well as on the right. And so we have to be aware of that. And then also let's look at, let's be aware that people are using this, this idea, this fake uh, idea of, of, providing nuance by saying that they're whatever their ridiculous opinion is oh well i'm just trying to look at it from a different point of view right. and they're trying to use use that to kind of get in to be like oh look i'm being fair and balanced like yeah, yeah. don't shoot the messenger basically right they don't want the heat on yeah. them well yeah what, with this all of this going on in the republican debate and i wasn't able to see all of it i saw some of it great segue you are running late on time i'm glad you did uh, that I want to know what were their uh, what was was their discussion around the migrants and what's how it's impacting the communities, how it's impacting. Yeah, I'll be honest, I missed probably the first half hour to hour of it. It was very, I think it was a two plus hour show, so I didn't see the entire thing. I would imagine there was, and that they all said that it was Biden's fault. <laughs> I I could. The one thing that I that I saw that really stuck out to me was when there was the the question that usually comes at, at every debate about the whoever the nominee is. And the question was posed to all of the people on the stage, all of the candidates, that if Donald Trump got convicted and became the Republican nominee, would they support him still? And almost everybody on the stage said they would still support him. That's if he was convicted. They'd still support him as the, the 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 running for the president of the United States. That is so they have crazy. No trust in the process. I think the entire right. thing is exactly. 
That's what it, you're exactly right. They have no trust. That means they're comfortable with someone that's convicted, possibly running the country from a prison cell. Like, they, right. They think that the conviction would not be warranted. They were disagreeing yeah. with the conviction. That's what the people. And by the way, that's not what the candidates believe, I don't think. The candidates are responding to what they think the Republican base believes. Right. The candidates are making a calculation in their head that the Republican base will not vote for them if they take any other view. And I also believe that because Trump is dominating the polls right now, they're basically there hoping he collapses, uh, if not physically, politically. Right. Mm -hmm. Meaning maybe he can't run because of, of the legal issues. Maybe he drops out. Maybe something happens. And so they're trying to get the Trump voters to back them if he's no longer there. And so they're not yeah. just trying to say anything to piss off his voters because most of the voters are behind him still. Absolutely, absolutely. They're like, you That's know, because if, does, yeah. if he does go to Trump, then, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm saying his constituents are very strong. You know, he has a huge following. Yeah, he, he, he really does. Oh, yeah. I was pointing out something to Jay that was very interesting. If you looked at the polls in the Republican primaries, DeSantis and Trump were neck and neck. DeSantis was actually beating Trump for a minute. People forgot that up until mm -hmm. February. In February, right before the first indictment dropped, right, on Trump, it was like 25% DeSantis, 24% Trump, but obviously a lot undecided. But they were, they were even, dead even, basically. Uh -huh. As soon as he started getting indicted, his numbers shot through the roof in her on the Republican side. Now it's like 60% Trump, 11% DeSantis. You know, it was dramatic. It was a dramatic yeah, shift as soon as he was indicted. Yeah, I think that that that's I think that owes a lot of it to that. And also, but also I think you know, DeSantis is kind of becoming a little bit of a toxic uh candidate been, in his own right. Exposed also. And this was something yeah. that I think even Andre pointed out on here when he was on in the past that he is really not a good politician and he right. doesn't have any charisma. Once you hear him open his mouth, you think, why would anyone like this guy or support this guy? It doesn't make any sense. Right. Like right. He, he's not presidential material. You, you can just see that he was outclassed on that debate stage by almost everyone else on the stage. And he's the governor of Florida. He's supposed to be one of the front runners. Yeah, that, that seems to be the consensus that I see that everyone, even the, un, the, the no name people that were running, like just outclassed him on, on the stage. So, I know um, he was rude at the, um, you know, they had that uh, gunman that shot up people, the white gunman in uh, Florida. Jacksonville, yeah. Jacksonville. Jackson, that's a Jackson. Um, Jacksonville. Yeah. And um, when he went to speak, he was booed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the crowd, the crowd booed him. They didn't want to, he had to cut his speech short, short um, because they were, and they were saying like, these are your policies that caused this. Right. That's what they're. Yep. That's what they're saying. Uh, in the chat, Janet said the entire debate was a joke. All focus was on Trump. And, you know, it's it's kind of what Trump has done. You know, I mean, because he's a, he's a marketing guy. Right. So this is kind of what Trump has done is that even though he's not there, the talk would have been all about him. So he was basically there without having to be there. Right. <laughs> that's Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And so he, he does that with he's done that with the media. Right. Even if people are talking bad about it in the media, he's still getting those media hours. Right. I think that's his shrewd business. Politics. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, his marketing himself, you know, with business, that business side of him. His whole career is marketing himself. Yeah. I mean, so, right? you know. So I don't, it's it's a very peculiar time in history, right? Because now we're saying that he's successfully marketing himself as a man who was indicted in multiple felonies. And this is somehow helping his brand. Apparently, because the people that his followers are eating it up. I mean, what, what, right after and that, and that's, the, the, that's the key distinction right there. I think we have to make that point. His followers, which, yeah. even, you know, we can admit it is sizable, especially amongst the Republican electorate. But when you start expanding that now to a general election electorate, I think the picture is going to be different. We hope it's going to be different. Like his followers are eating it up, but the media is also eating it up because he's getting he's getting time on every station and inches in every column. So, you know, but and, people who. They may not believe it, but he's, he's the spectacle that remember, remember general elections are contested at the margins. Right. I mean, most people, they're already decided. Nothing is going to change their mind. They're going to be. Democratic sure. You've got a, a, a very small number of voters in a few swing states who decide a presidential general election. Right. And so looking at those voters who tilted the scale from Trump in 16 to Biden in 20, right? How right. many of those voters are going to go back to Trump, let's say, if he's convicted? Well, I think just like what you saw, like you said, and in, in, in we saw in February when uh, the first indictment came down, his numbers skyrocketed, right? Amongst after the Republican this, base, not right. right. Yeah. Right. And, and then we looked, though, after this last indictment came down, what was it the very next day? Like he raised like seven million dollars in in donations. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's uh-huh. it's really spurring on the people that support him to put more effort in and turning him. I mean, he's playing it the, the martyr kind of victim card, um, but it it works for his base. Yeah, because he's saying um, you had other presidents that did certain such things. They were never convicted, but now they're getting on me. But again, you're talking about his base. I'm talking about the swing voters who literally swung from Trump to Biden. How many of them are going to swing back? This is not his base. These are people who are up for grabs. I get some people maybe will because they're just Mm -hmm. anti uh, incumbent, right? They think that, oh, I'm still not happy. You know, maybe some people just want to keep trying something else every four years. You'll get that. Sure. But how many of them really are going to swing back to Trump if he's convicted? Uh, I mean, to, to me, my take on this is that his vote count will drop drastically in a general election, though it may help him win the nomination again. I, I think I think we underestimate him at our peril. Yeah. I don't think he should be underestimated. No, he, I, I think he has a, a very, very scary good shot at, at winning again. I do too. I think he can win again. I have a, has a likelihood, especially if he doesn't go go to prison. If if he doesn't go to prison, there's a likelihood that he. I think would, I would say it's theoretical, but not likely. What that he wins again? That he wins the White House. I would say yes. He. I think it is likely he'll win the Republican nomination. Yeah, even behind bars, I think they would nominate him. Yeah, uh-huh. but if he's behind bars, is he going to win a general election? I don't think so. I think you see a, a, a landslide, kind of like Reagan uh, in '84. Yeah, actually uh, behind bars. I, you know, my guy, I would have to, I would have to really see that to believe it, because for some reason, I just think that he could win. I think it if is. he's behind bars, but I'm Biden, just saying, Biden wins win. Florida. 
I think Biden might win Texas. Um, certainly Arizona again. I don't think what, so. what state what state is Trump flipping in his column if he's behind bars in a general election? What state is he winning? Tell me. I, I don't I just don't underestimate his chances. Biden, win, Biden wins uh, Ohio in that case. Right. The depth, the depth of the 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 bigotry and ignorance in. But he already lost. Um, we already did this, though. We already did this exercise. We have numbers already. So, yeah, but he remember, he did now. win at one point as well. Like and he also lost by by many million votes. Right. <laughs> Even when he won, he lost by millions of votes. Yeah. But, you know, that was a long time ago. People don't have that long of a memory. Remember right after after Bush was was put out of office and everyone's like, oh, we're never voting Republican again. And then at the end of Obama's term, it's like, oh, my God, we need the Republicans to save us. Like people have short memories when it comes to voting. They, you know, if it doesn't go their way. If it's Biden versus Trump again, people already voted on these two candidates. Why? Why would being behind bars make people who didn't like Trump before like him now? I, I, I just, I'm just saying I'm not underestimating his chances, even if he is behind bars. I'm not yeah. underestimating his chances because the bigotry yeah. and the ignorance runs deep in the United States. I'm not underestimating his chances. Fair enough. So. Um, what do you think about the debate? Um, I, I don't know. I didn't get a chance. To, I saw clips of it, so I don't know who won the debate. Um, I know from what I read, it sounded like uh, what's his name? The the it's kind of been a dark horse in this race, like as far as unknown. Um, not not the this uh, which one? Yeah, like he's people. His name kind of I think rose a little bit higher than it was from the debate. Well, what was interesting is. Going into it, if you took Trump's name out and you polled the Republican electorate, mm. he was actually leading DeSantis by one point, I think, going into it. But they were basically mm. tied. Mm. Yeah. And I think he he's a little bit more of a he's a better speaker and a little bit more charismatic than DeSantis. A lot more charismatic. But <laughs> DeSantis has negative charisma. <laughs> like, I, I think an empty podium is more charismatic than DeSantis. <laughs> So I think, yeah, like I think he probably his status probably raised the most from what I'm seeing as far as chatter on the Internet. But he did employ Trumpian tactics, and I think he did the best job at getting the Trump supporters to like him if Trump is not on the ballot. If Trump is running, they're not going to vote for him over Trump. Right. But if he was somehow out of the picture, then I think a lot more of them will go towards him, especially because Trump has spent a lot of time attacking DeSantis. Right. You know, what's kind of crazy. I, I really think, and this is, I don't know if it's, it's ironic and it's kind of crazy to even say, but I think the Republican uh, field needs someone like right now, like uh, Christie. No, not Chris Christie. (laughs) Um, Like, um, who, who like Romney, mm. and maybe even a maybe even a Jeb Bush. I'm thinking someone that's a little bit more of that elder statesman that's that tries to come off uh, a little bit more balanced and sane. Or even reasonable. if, yeah, right. They right. They try like someone to try, try to bring the Republican Party back a little bit closer to earth. Even if their stuff is crazy, it's not as crazy as the rest of them. Who Someone was the guy last time who, who seemed a little bit sensey. I forgot his name already. 
That's the problem. But he seemed kind of sane in the Republican fields. And some of the more moderates were backing him. And then he obviously didn't get there. Oh, man. Someone currently? It was in the year Trump. It must have been in 2016. He was in the Republican primary field. Wasn't he was a governor? Wasn't Romney? Not Romney. No, no, no. Romney was a nominee in 12, and he didn't run in 2016. Right, right, right. Because he and he st- he started just speaking out a little bit more, trying yeah. to be more sane after, but he didn't jump in the ring. Right. Um, um, now I can't think of the guy's name. See, that's that's bad. He was a moderate. John Kasich. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. Yep, Kasich. Mm. Yeah, I think. The, the 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 Republican field is being led by too many far right people. There's nobody that's not just outright insane. Chris and Christie, so, but well, I guess by comparison, he seems more sane. He was right, he's more probably, the reason on that stage. If I was a Republican primary voter, which I'm obviously not, but if I was, after watching that, I would have voted for Christie. He's yeah, I think he's the he probably the closest to someone who's yeah not that ridiculously crazy. He's crazy, but he's not like, you know, completely. He's crazy. <laughs> he's, you know, there's a sliding scale. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's crazy. <laughs> now, now given this field, would you, would you vote for George W. Bush again? If he was, if he was running, given the field that's out there now, you mean if he was in the primary? Yeah, if he was, yeah. No, I wouldn't have preferred him. Among, among the rest of the people in there, I guess. I think I, I, mean, I think I would still go with Christie. Now, with that said, I would have liked to hear more on policy. You didn't really get right. that. You got the modern Republican Party brand, which is rhetoric, right? Right. Where is the substance? If they got into a more substantive debate, then maybe we would have been having a different conversation. Maybe we'd be talking about whose policy made more sense. Maybe we were crunching some numbers and doing things that people consider wonky and boring. But that's really, I think, what you want to get out of a presidential candidate, not just how they sound, what the sound bites are, or who's dissing who, right? You want to know what they're proposing to do, what their plans are. Right. But I think, do you we know, even know? That, I mean, or, or is everyone basically just yelling? But I mean, remember that was that was basically how Trump campaigned his whole his whole campaign. Right, to right. and that's he what didn't we're give any right. kind of policy. And now it's right, and but that's what I'm saying. And now the basically everyone on stage is doing what he did in 16. Right. Yeah, and and we're everyone at the time was like, well, yeah, we hear you talk, but what are you actually planning on doing? And like right. nothing. Drain the swamp is what he said, right? Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing happened, right. nothing. Right. Yeah. Basically, what he was, he was like saying, we're going to like hit, hit reset on, on the government and just throw everyone out and start all over from scratch. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I think I think we have a poll to come out of this. right? <laughs> yes, we do. <sighs> all right. Well, the poll question of the week is, who do you think won the Republican presidential debate? OK, that should be. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Um. See what people have to say in that regard. Uh-huh. So, well, I think we've we've we tried to keep it under an hour, but we did not succeed. <laughs> we failed. So, <laughs> quickly, end of the end here. Um, the last couple, I ended up with the bottom line. Mike, I think it's been a minute since you gave the bottom line. So, oh wow, yeah, okay. let's throw it throw it to you, Mike. What is the bottom line? 
The bottom line is let's turn down the heat, less rhetoric, more solution. We are more alike than we are different, but oftentimes you would never be able to see that based on the rhetoric and the way we talk to each other. And so when a poll comes out showing, for example, that 82% of New Yorkers believe the migrant crisis is a serious problem, that should be a signal that there is common ground to be found, but the rhetoric needs to be turned down. Otherwise, we'll never be able to reach a consensus and come to sensible solutions. Excellent. That was an excellent bottom line. I think that was great. Um, And so, I'm sorry, go ahead, Shiva. I said it was very good. Yes, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so good one. Good bottom line. Uh, And hopefully the people uh, agree with that and take those words to heart uh, themselves Mm. in their own discussions. Um, You can also follow us on YouTube. Hit us up at Nuance Show, YouTube, uh, Instagram, also Nuance Show, where the, the replays of these videos uh, this podcast, the show goes on there. Also, in anywhere that podcasts are, so Spotify, Amazon, YouTube podcasts, Apple podcasts, uh, get it it's automatically pushed to your device. Join in the conversation. Come in, say some stuff, say some stuff, disagree with us, um, you know, talk about us, whatever you want to do. Come on in and say <laughs> something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think uh, that's quite it there. Well, there we go. As always, we've got work to do. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.